Kia ora and welcome to the New Zealand Small Business and Entrepreneur Festival podcast, where our guests provide awesome tactics and insights to help move your business towards its aspirations. Kia ora, my name is Craig Murray and you have tuned into the Small Business and Entrepreneur Festival podcast, podcast number 18 and we're super lucky to have Wendy Thompson the founder of Socialites, and we are going to be talking about social media marketing. So without further ado, I'm going to bring Wendy into the stream. Kia ora, Wendy. How are you? Good, kia ora. How are you? <laughs> I am very well. I am calling from, like I always do, in the centre of the North Island, Rotorua. Whereabouts in New Zealand are you? I'm in Tamaki Makarau, um, on Waiheke Island at the moment, which is quite mm. fun. <laughs> Waikiki Island, one of my favourite places in the world to go and visit. You're very lucky. Hey, similar to all of our podcasts, I always start with the very same thing. And the first question I always ask is, what was your first ever job? Like, I mean, your first ever job, not your career job, like if you <laughs> delivered pamphlets or whatever that might have been. And then if you could just roll into your origin story a little bit of how your professional career, how you started um, Socialites in 2010, and then how you got to where you are now. Sure, I can totally cram 40-odd years into two minutes. Easy. The fun thing is my first job actually made me really think about it. So I was like, you know, I've worked at like the warehouse and um, mm -hmm. all those sort of jobs throughout the years. But my first, first job was my dad worked at um, Guardian Trust, which is a sort of insurance banking type company. And back in those days, when I was about 11, he, we used to do our school holidays, my sister and I, and my cousin used to come in and reconcile these massive um, dollar amounts against like their share funds. So it was just the most mind-numbing job that you've ever done in your entire life. But just literally checking numbers, double-checking things. And nowadays, you'd just run a script on a computer and do it in about 10 seconds. But back then, it was fantastic because, you know, you're 11, 11 years old and earning, you know, you have $5.75 an hour or whatever it was. It was fantastic. <laughs> so I really enjoyed that, actually. And it was that was kind of very office-y and real, like, 80s office, so you can imagine. Um, like, screens and particle boards and, yeah, no open plan. So that was quite fun. And then, yeah, over the years, yeah, I've always been a marketer. I've always been really creative. And my mum used to tell the stories of I used to get flyers out of the letterbox and cut them up and rearrange them. Um, oh. So I used to, yeah, I used to be quite quite creative in my day. So I went and went to, we didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't quite finish school because I had very, I did have really high grades, but I decided not to do seventh form or year 13 nowadays. And I went, I found this amazing course at Auckland uh, Institute of Technology, now Auckland University of Technology, which was a business degree where you could start halfway through the year. So I did like one week of school and then um, left and went into this university degree which was really fun it was based around business and international marketing mm. and from there I worked in big ad agencies had the time in my life so much fun you know mm -hmm. made tv commercials and radio ads and stole the virtues of toilet paper like honestly Al, we live in a weird place that's just crazy <laughs> takes a certain type to be a marketer and an advertising person but loved it and um after I had my my first baby started doing some contracting which was really fun and my husband at the time set up a small business, a small physio and Pilates studio. And 
suddenly I didn't have my million dollar budgets to make TV commercials. <laughs> Funny that. Um, mm. So, you know, it's just a little uh, place with sort of three or four physios in, in um, Auckland City. And as the marketer, I sort of looked at what else was out there. And at that time, social media was just starting. And back then it was just Facebook. And it was the time when businesses didn't really have their own place yet on Facebook. It was just for people. But you could do a few things. And it was also the time, I don't know if you remember, but <laughs> you used to be able, like, you weren't allowed to do social media at work. So, like, all the big mm, companies mm. would, like, lock it down so you couldn't get onto it. So yeah, people started just bringing their phones in. And, like, I think every company's given up on that by now. No. But it was very funny. So it was in those days. And I just discovered how incredible social media was for a business. It was incredible because you could kind of, it was, it was the first as a marketer, it was the first one-to-one mass communication. So you're always trying to get conversations going as a marketer. And suddenly I could just see that I could go talk to all our customers and staff and their friends in like one go and they could all come and talk back to me. But they wouldn't have to come to the studio, wouldn't be ringing them. It was like completely mass, but also completely one-on-one. It was phenomenal. And it was a real community that we were building online. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is the future of marketing. And I was right. <laughs> so that was like because yes. at the time everyone thought I was a bit bonkers but I was like that's it so I um, started a company my friend suggested the name Socialites and I was like oh yeah it sounds good and we yeah there was no big branding campaign it was just here's a name um, which we stuck with for the last 11 years and since then it's just been a matter of riding the wave really like we've just our job is just to stay just ahead of what's going on so we can help businesses navigate because it is always changing I think Back to what we did then and what we're doing now and it's you know we're working in like 18 different countries at the moment oh, wow. six or seven different languages um about five or six different social media platforms we've got 12,000 content specialist content creators at socialites that we um, have access to and use as we need like it's a really quite different beast to me with a baby and one knee and a laptop like mm-hmm. posting updates live at six o'clock, you know, <laughs> and trying to gain algorithms. It's very, very different. And it's still unbelievably effective and still in some ways better than it was then and in some ways worse, but it's still the powerfulness is incredible. So when you first started in the the Pilates and doing the social media for then, what, what year are we talking now? So that was 2010. 2010 okay yeah so oh actually no sorry that would have been 20 uh, 2009 so I sort of did that for about six months to a year and then my friends who are in marketing were like oh I've got a company who the board's saying what's the social media and you know can you help out and can you help out and I think my business plan was to have 10 clients paying me like $1,200 a month or something like I had this you know kind of crazy business plan which didn't work at all but it was (laughs) was funny I was like I kind of worked out I could kind of get a salary of about you know sort of 70 or 80 thousand dollars um by if I had the right number of clients paying the right thing which by the way didn't work but it was, it was my plan on a page it was funny so then in two, 2010 socialites was born and now you're ob- obviously there's, there's a number of different social platforms that must be really tricky to try and keep up with them all and all of them have different sort of marketing tactics or tactics to that really work like do you do anything in, oh, this is a random question, in club Clubhouse? Yes, yeah, audio, audio podcast platform, yeah. Um, is TikTok big for some of your clients? Yes, TikTok's the biggest, for our New Zealand clients, it's definitely where they're all sort of looking or investing in. Um, it's from a 
marketing or a business point of view, it's where the, you know, your millennials and your Gen Z are really heading. It's uh, very cost effective to buy ads on it at the moment. So it's a good place to be. What I love about TikTok is it's exceptionally, I know it's fun. It's a fun platform. So it's quite nice just to have a play. It, and it really rewards authenticity and creativity. So it's not just putting up a picture and some copy. And you can't just make a normal, you can't just get a normal ad or a billboard, but you kind of, I hate it when people do it, but they do it they, and they chuck it on Facebook and Instagram. On TikTok, you, you can't, you have to do it properly and make it for platform. Mm. So it's really fun. Do well on TikTok. You know, you're a real uh, content creator or a, you're really creative. So the transitions and the, yeah, like transition stuff is so much fun. Um, my, like my daughter's really into it. She's always been really great at content creation since she was a little kid. And it's like, they make it look so easy. I'm terrible mm. at it, um, but that's okay. <laughs> it's not mine. But it's nice to know you can be a professional content creator nowadays and make millions of dollars. 100%. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So could you give our audience an overview of how socialites could potentially help us, a business, grow? Yeah, well, I suppose the first thing to understand is that every single business has a community of supporters, customers, you know, friends, suppliers. And our job is really to unlock that. So a lot of business owners know they've got this group of people out there that like love and support them and they want to speak back to them and help help that grow. And what we do through social media, because social media is the only, as I said, mass one to one-to-one kind of platform is we use the social media platform to to get that out there so we start the conversations we'll build the story we'll help find the social voice and run it for our clients because our clients are very good at what they do and we're very good at what we do in terms of understanding the idiosyncrasies of the platforms because you do need to know the platforms and, and you know just really understand how they work um, and just really bring through that sort of authenticity that's what we do so whether it's helping get Facebook ad campaigns underway or a really beautiful Instagram feed or some LinkedIn thought leadership work or, um, you know, stores set up on, you know, like whether you're working on like WeChat or Line or, yeah, or TikTok, finding amazing content creators for your brand <laughs> something. And we also uh, do a lot of work in the last couple of years with influencers. Influencers is absolutely huge in social media. So we bought the social club. Oh, yeah, almost a year and a half ago, which is an incredible social media uh, influencer company. Um, and we added that to our stable to really strengthen us in that space as well, which is cool. And that's the one with 12, 12,500 content creators. So it's pretty cool. So th- so can you explain what the social club is? So is it a, a club where you have a whole bunch of talent that creates and you can just go and ask them to, to do yeah, some work for you? Pr- pretty much. It's an influencer specialist agency. So they specialized in working with influencers to create campaigns and mm. how i how i see the future is well and we've been doing it for a while but this made it a lot easier as a company is that you actually like if you need a if you've got a i don't know you make cookies and you you know that your customers are on tiktok we can find you like a specialist food tiktoker to make mm. amazing content as opposed to someone who you know might make radio ads trying to do it like you just it's a different skill set so wow. we find we find that person, or someone who's an amazing travel photographer for Instagram, will will find that person and match them, and then help help them create a campaign, and then put the ads around it and the customs and all the tech stuff that has to happen. The team does their thing. It's quite special. That's really cool. So let's say if I'm a small business 
and I am, I'm just looking around my room, looking at pot plants. I've got a pot plant business and I wanted yeah. to jump into um, link, um, not LinkedIn, sorry, um, TikTok. You would have yeah. potentially some influencers that can make some cool sort of creative using pot plants or whatever and reaching Absolutely. the audience. Oh, immediately, you know, you can imagine on TikTok, you'd have that tr transition of like a seed, then a little one, <laughs> then a real big one. Like you'd do yep. something quite fun, wouldn't you? Just like, mm. just add water and sunshine. So, oh, totally in my head already. I can see that. <laughs> and I'd be like, and we'd go through our list and go, okay, that would be Joel from, I don't know, New Plymouth. They're your, they're your person. Let's get them yeah. signed up because they do something along that line. So we think of it in our team that we have the, I suppose, the, the conductors and the um, composers in our team. So we come up with the ideas, what we want to do, and then we use the content creators and the influencers to kind of bring it to life like the musicians. It's really, oh, really cool. Nice. Cool. Yeah. So this, the next question I'm going to ask is a question that I ask everybody, and it's just to get a bit of an understanding of what you sort of like. What brand has had the biggest impact on you and why? That's such a great question, and it? I love all brands because I'm a marketer, so <laughs> I found it quite tricky. But there's a couple of things. One, it is local scale. I am really impressed with Catherine Wilson, the shoe designer. Uh, the way that she creates a community is exceptional. And, for example, one of the things she does is she names her new shoe collections after um, like her friends and customers. So I was really excited. I got like the Wendy Brogue last year. And I was like, oh, wow. it was so yeah. cool. I, I got a shoe named after me, you basically winning at life. And from <laughs> her point of view, it doesn't cost you anything. But in terms of brand love, I'm going to be loyal to her forever and buy all my <laughs> shoes from her now. And I was like, that's just so, um, so smart, but also just so genuine because she really feels that everyone is part of her journey and she uses every way that she can to do it. And it's very, very cool and genuine and awesome and then on a global scale I think you know because it is a matter of just bringing your community into your story um I've just been rereading Simon Sinek's Infinite Game recently again which I love it's always a good reminder and his sort of main point on that is when you're setting you know a company is more than you know it's a collection of people but it, it's got a bigger purpose and a vision and it's it's sort of changing your mindset from a trying to beat your competitors and just almost ignoring them. Like you just follow your own, your own path. And I look at companies like, like, like Tesla who are, you know, how can you not, you know, they're rethinking the entire transportation industry. They're just like, you know, I don't care what everyone else is doing. We're just going to go do this crazy big thing. Mm -hmm. Or, um, and that's just powerful and fun and cool. And then, so Tesla, I love, I don't know if you've noticed as well, even with, um, just little things that they do. If you go onto their website and you look at the names of their cars and it's like the, the S, then it's the um, the three and then it's the X and the Y. And then you look at it and it's like sexy. That is so funny. Oh, <laughs> it's like little little things. If you look at their cars, the, the mm. last names of their cars, little things they do just make you, makes you giggle. Um, and then like Apple's another one in that, in that sort of field where they just, they just do what they do and they just very true to themselves so i like those companies cool so Catherine wilson locally yeah. or new zealand based tesla yeah. and apple cool those and are... apple easy <laughs> so many cool. though i like so many of them <laughs> so let's move back into socialites so you and the team are obviously experts in fact you've um you've your social media market of the year in 2019 
2020 Social Media Agency of the Year. Um, what are, since that you guys are experts, what are some common sort of mistakes you see small businesses making in the social social media space? We're the biggest one. I, I see big businesses and small businesses doing this, by the way, so it's not okay, a small cool. business thing. But it's finding, getting like the intern or the youngest person or the newest person to the company to look after these social media channels. It's bonkers if you think about it. Like I don't know, like people, people do it because they think, oh, it's a young person's game, social media. But one, it's not a young person's game anymore. And two, your brand is the most powerful, you know, and your reputation is the most powerful thing you own as a business. And so to go put that in the hands of someone who's young and new is just nuts. Like, absolutely. You'd never put, the, I always think, would you put them on the, I don't know, six o'clock news? You wouldn't put them on the six o'clock news. Don't have them handling your social media. So either, you know, get an expert or have someone really senior um, overseeing it to down to the detail. It's, um, yeah, things go wrong when you. Or outsource it. So so th then I suppose it's it's important to have a social media marketing plan and a strategic plan to make sure that, the, the intern or whoever, maybe not the intern, but the person who's yeah. managing it actually knows what they're supposed to be doing and has um, some idea of how to measure their, the success of it as well. Yeah, I think you could have a, like a plan or a guideline for them to follow to a point, but then you want to be signing everything off before it goes live. You wouldn't want to be having them answering questions live online either. You'd want to have either well-trained professionals or trained people in your team um, mm. who... Uh, experienced <laughs> it's just it's just respectful to your it's the respect you owe your community it's actually not about saying the wrong thing it's actually just sort of showing it the respect it deserves what do you think is a simple tactic that a business could implement in their social media marketing that they're, they're just not doing that could be super easy to start growing the community a little bit better or bigger it's not simple but there's one surefire way which works really well and every business can do which is really cool and that's actually and it doesn't cost much it doesn't really cost anything and and that's except for time and that's to get into doing collaborations so i'm a really big fan of businesses collaborating together especially your smaller to medium-sized businesses so you could have i don't know a um a, a restaurant and a hotel doing a collaboration together where they both come up with a prize package or you know, something small, don't even need to have a prize package, but you basically mm -hmm. are advertising to each other's databases. And that's just really comes across as genu genuine people love to support that sort of thing. Or it could be, you know, a hairdresser and a beautician and a movie theater for a date night. You know, you can kind of do some really cool little collabs. Um, and that exposes your brand and your company to other people who are probably similar and would be most likely like to join your community. So it's my easiest, fastest and kind of most genuine way that I can say, other than saying, you know, put $50 on a Facebook post. Like that's doing a collab is way more effective. Yep. So why do you think social media is important for a business? I think for two reasons. Uh, one is it's where your community is. Like, you know, unfortunately, no matter if there's a lot of sort of cancel culture and people, every single second article I seem to read seems to be, blaming social media for something it's actually like where people are <laughs> it's where they spend their time it's overtaken all other traditional mediums last year so there's more people on social media every day than are watching the tv 
Um, it's literally where people are hanging out and they're spending way more time and they're more engaging on there than they are. And to be honest, even if they're watching TV, they're still on their phones. So you need to be where your customers and your community is. So you need to be on social media for that reason, just to be connected. So let's assume, let's just say that, well, it's, it's true. There's so small business owners or small businesses, sometimes uh, like yourself in 2010, or it's just yourself, or they might yeah. have one other person or a 0.5 or someone who just does a little bit of help. Um, but we've got all of these different social media platforms. We've got Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube. We've got, um, what haven't I said, TikTok, Clubhouse. Yeah, Clubhouse. It's a good one. Uh, uh, WeChat, Line. WeChat. Oh, there's like, oh, there's so many. Yeah, there's so <laughs> New Zealand, many we, we don't have too many, which is good. Yeah. We, comparatively. We, Reddit, sort of, you know, yeah, <laughs> everything. We've got, we've got the main four, I suppose, or four or five that... But but what will what would be your suggestion for a business who's a little bit time poor, so they're out there doing the work all the time, and they need to focus? Should they focus on one platform like an Insta or a Facebook or or whatever, or should they try and spread it as across as many platforms as they possibly can? I think the biggest thing is to be tied into your community and where are your community. So right now, for example, we're seeing a lot of people over the last year they've moved from Instagram, they're on Instagram a little bit, but they're really picking up onto TikTok. So you want to be, so we're getting our clients to move with them. So it's a matter of being tied into where your community is. I do recommend just from a purely practical point of view, wouldn't recommend this for, a, it's completely not best practice and big brands should not do it, but for smaller brands, it just makes sense. Like if you've got one piece of content, like do the connection up and just post to the other platforms. Like I do it for my personal um my personal content you know if I do something on Instagram I just automatically have a post to Facebook for my community on there and it's really obvious but at the end of the day you know, I'm time for so <laughs> it's kind mm. of it's better to do it than not do it so you've just got to make that call. Are you familiar or aware of any tools that a small business owner or anyone could use that could spread it across multiple platforms that will make it easier like and that's inclusive of doing the ads and the hashtags and things like that as well. Because if, like, as an example, what you said just then, if you go into Facebook business and you post in both Insta and thing, and then you have a whole bunch of apps that you want to, when I say app, it's like when you're trying to tag yeah, yeah. a tag business or, or sponsor or something like that, the the tag on Insta is different than what the, to the tag is on. Oh, so annoying, yeah. It's very annoying. And there's no, it, I don't know, the way I do it anyway, I have to manually do it all the time. Well, actually, I copy and paste and then change it a little bit and then it, and then the tag happens. But is there is there any platform that works that can do that for you? I don't know, actually. I'd have to ask my team. But mm. actually, my team might not know because they do craft, you know, because we work with um, tend to be larger companies, they craft for each mm. platform. But I can find out for you. That would be a great tool. Um, what I tend to personally do is I'll, like, say, do it on Insta, just push it through. And then I'll go in and edit mm. and, from a real and, practical point of view. And then I copy and paste into LinkedIn and then I edit. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's and, definitely and, not efficient. It is not efficient. There must be a tool out there. It will ask. Yeah, and, and it surprises me that Facebook or, or Meta hasn't got a, a tool where you could save your ads or your, or your tags and then yeah. you, you just click a little button and then it brings up – Could you could do that with audiences. So why can't you do that with – your your tags probably yeah. on their roadmap 
<laughs> but it's Thanks. a really good point. Yeah. I mean, who so knows? Ma- like maybe your mm. hoot suites are one of those could do it. I'm not sure. Mm. I have to ask. So Mark Zuckerberg, I know you're probably listening to this. So if you could just um, yeah. up, um, fix that up for us, that'd be cool. You could fix that. It'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. That'll make things a lot easier for us. So what do you think are some of the ingredients you need to develop a good social media marketing strategy? Probably the most important thing is to just be super authentic and genuine and just really have a strong view of who you are. And I, I kind of call it, um, I love the expression, strong opinions held lightly, you know, like have a strong point of view, but hold it lightly. Um, be prepared to be, be challenged and have good conversations because those are the best conversations when you sort of start out with a strong opinion, but then you can actually have a, a genuine conversation with people. So it's all about being genuine, being honest, and just actually the biggest thing is just being excited about what you do and letting that passion come through. Because if you are really like, oh my God, this is so cool, people feed off that and um, you'll just find people just flock to you. It's a bit of magic that happens in that. And, mm. um, you know, you see that happening, whether it's a, I don't know, you know, Giapo with his ice cream or, you know, <laughs> Elon Musk with his, whatever he's doing at the moment, rocket ships. Like you can sort of see people love and people are, tr- are attracted to people who are really passionate about something or Catherine with her shoes. She's just like, I'm not saving lives. I just like to make people have their shoes. And we're like, that makes you awesome. <laughs> organic sort of, so when we talk about organic social media in the social media space, it means that it's organically or um, the For content- free. <laughs> yeah, basically for, for free someone's free. going to see see your information but on facebook and instagram it's it's pretty much disappeared um tiktok it's pretty good linkedin's actually still pretty pretty solid mm, but it, it does solid, yeah, yeah mm. it does change so let's say if our audience's community or their their um yeah. followers are on facebook do you what do you know of a good tactic or a tactic that would be good to help grow a community? Yeah, well, collabs, like I mentioned before, is one really good way. Mm-hmm. The other way that does work quite well is to, I mean, one thing I would be doing right now, if you had a really quite strong Facebook and Instagram community and you were kind of just sort of worried about organic reach, which you should be, because when I started 11 years ago, it was 100%. Then it went to, mm-hmm. it kind of like dropped to six. Honestly, it went 64, 32, 16, 8, and now it's about 2 over the 10 years. So it really, yeah, it's a, it's a pathway to zero. I would be trying to get people's email addresses um, with whatever, by hook or crook, by crook, so that you actually had your own database and that you owned yourself um, of people. So I would be using competitions, mechanics, just so that when things change, you've got a bit more of a, um, a way to get through to them. And as you know, in the back of Business Manager, you can then upload them as a custom audience, which is much more cost effective. If you are going to spend, you know, $100, you know that you're reaching people who really care rather than kind of going wide. So I would be investing in updating my customer, my, my customer, my community databases. But um, competitions are a good way to get sort of free reach as our collabs. Oh, and ambassadors, so influencers, working with influencers. Though that isn't free. They will charge you. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But well, you might have a friend who's like really famous. That's really handy. If <laughs> you've got like mm-hmm. a friend or a mate who's like, can you put it out in my things? Or I know that uh, like some other people who've got really good uh, following, like make a point of helping small businesses by doing shout outs. And I know, mm-hmm. for example, Cecilia and James Robinson, you know, who had my food bag and now home tend, they do that. I think once or 
once a week or once a month. So if you message them, they'll do a little shout out and um, buy your product and talk about it, which is pretty cool. So, yep, get into that. So if our audience is looking at an influencer, let's say, Mm-hmm. what should they be, and they're trying to find their own ones, what should they be looking at? Is it 1,000 followers, 10,000 followers, a million? Um, and what sort of the, like, roughly, like, ballpark, what would be the cost for it for to do some sort of campaign with an influencer? Oh, it can really range. You know, you've got the Kardashians, you know, <laughs> yeah. millions. Um, <laughs> down to... You know, you might be able to get um, someone who's like a nano influencer or something for under a thousand dollars. But to be fair, in New Zealand, influencers are very expensive compared to the rest of the world. Unfortunately, um, it's still very cost-effective in general if you've got something you really want to sell. But our prices are very high compared to internationally. Uh, but what I would be doing is going out as a small business owner and saying, is you want to look at who their audience is and what they talk about. So if your brand fits in with what they talk about, like if you're a, you know, in the tourism space and they're a travel influencer, then it's like perfect that they come in, mm. you know, do a bit of a contra and maybe a few hundred dollars as well on top would possibly work. But you do have to remember that at the end of the day, this is this is their job and they, they can't eat lipstick. So you have to <laughs> be prepared to pay them. Um, and the only one places where that's slightly different is if they've actually got, like if they're more of a celebrity um, and celebrities, you know, they've got other jobs. They don't make money. They make a little bit of money through their celebrity, but they've actually got their main main job. But if you're actually paying an influencer to be an influencer, they are incredibly professional. They're amazing, but you have to pay for it. But the return on investment's pretty genius, really. Like we've done some work with like selling, what were we selling? It was so much fun. Um, for Focaccia, like selling window cleaners, the best mm-hmm. things. Don't ask. They're actually amazing. My husband's really into cleaning windows, and I ended up getting him one because I was like, "This I totally fell for my own my own marketing." <laughs> well and, <done. laughs> you know, it was just it was like, and he's never been. He's like the best Father's Day present you've ever given me. I'm like, okay, a little bit like giving you a vacuum cleaner, but that's fine. Um, so yeah, they really do in terms of like cost of what was invested in that compared to the amount of sales made, just incredible. So if um, I'm going to dig into a little bit about the influencer. So if, if, let's say I spend a thousand bucks on an influencer to do one or two posts on, let's say, can I can use that over and over again? Or is it sort of a, I can use it once and then that's sort of like the license for it is for that time period? Or do you think I could rehash it in January? If I do something in January, because I want to get rid of some stock that I didn't sell in Christmas, for example. Yeah. And then I go, actually, I want to reuse that in May and I want to do it in September as well. Or do you- so you need to negotiate that up front. Okay. So this is where this is where buying the social club was a fantastic investment for socialites because of all the legal that comes around. Mm. Imagine it's a, it's a talent contract, so mm. uh, you'd negotiate up front. You could say, okay, I want I want to use it now and pay you a thousand dollars. If I reuse it again in January, um, let's agree on I want to pay you two hundred. They say six hundred. You agree on four hundred. Okay, if, if I use these again, I'll pay you four hundred. Yep. Um, reuse it, but ideally, sure. you, you the standard is a three month right of use. Just FYI, oh, yeah. everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Anything, anything over three months is um, you, is generally up for negotiation. The other thing to be aware of is whether you want them to be exclusive to your category or not. So, mm. are, are, you know, are they the only restaurant that they're going to talk about for the next three months? Probably not. So you're not going to mm. have a good chance of being exclusive on that. But if you, for example, sold, I don't know, a brand of health supplements and you didn't want them to talk about another one for two months, 
builders have to pay more for that because mm. just remembering that's how they make their money. Yeah, exclusivity over X amount of period period of time for this. Um, I saw How to Dad's got his own jandal. I don't know if you've seen that one. I did, and, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, and it's got the little bread tag on the bottom already. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and we're so, going to see a lot more of that. Like influencers come, like basically, like they are a marketing channel. They can, if they come up with their own products, they can sell them because mm. they, yeah, they they are a channel. <laughs> yeah, if you look at Kardashians to through to How to Dad, it's it's definitely the way the world is going. So collab with an influencer, another good strategy. Yeah. Okay. Let's collab with an influencer. Can you give us an example of a? influencer who's done a post or or some sort of small campaign for someone and the results that they got from it oh um just anecdotally like like they might have sold a thousand units of this because x person put up three posts or something like that yeah oh gosh we did um like one okay this is random but i can talk about it um one of our clients is you by cotex which is um like feminine and we were doing feminine hygiene products and these really cool new, this is really awkward talking to you about this, Craig, but the new period undies, which is, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So basically period undies, which are really cool and um, launched those to market. And we did an influencer campaign. It was really epic. We had, um, her name was Jess. She's an awesome, like female tradie down in Queenstown, which mm. is really cool. We had uh, like just these epic group of wahine who were just, very cool and they're just talking about you know actually you know demystifying periods and how it all worked and how there were these cool undies and they um it was incredible they just launched and they went to number one in their category for like in 30 days and that's all they that's what they did so absolutely smashed all expectations and um and i know i can talk about that one because we just won some big well they've just won some big awards for that so i was like that's that's right <laughs> that was a good one yeah, completely influenced it. That was amazing. Awesome. Mm. So I want to look at a specific sort of example here, and and I've spoke about pot plants, but and I've spoke about cafes a lot in some other podcasts. So I'll stick to the cafes because I feel that that it's a low hanging fruit. I go to a lot of cafes <laughs> and drink a lot of coffee. So let's say there are a lot of cafes, and they all produce coffee or tea and food. Let's say if a cafe had $100 a week to spend on social media targeted campaigns, like a targeted campaign, yep. what platform would you suggest that they focus on and what tactic should they implement? So I would do geo-targeted Facebook and Instagram posts, like just around the area, because mm -hmm. most people, unless it's a destination cafe, but most of them aren't. So you're just targeting people in that area or it's a, it's a waste. And then from a tactic, I'd, and that's the safe way to do like that's safe from a not quite a safe but more fun what I would actually do is pay influencers to come in and post like <laughs> like pay them the hundred bucks come in and get a coffee and do a post and have a series of them mm. um so that's so these two sort of tactics there cool safe, so not quite so safe oh, oh sorry easy takes more work to organize so for any small business owners out there who don't know what geotargeting is, so that is like if you put a dot on what, if you're looking at a map from a satellite point of view, you put a dot on your cafe and then you can put a geotarget, which could be five kilometer radius around your cafe. And that's like a geotargeted. So that's targeted a geographical area around your cafe. And then you're saying get an a influencer 
to come in and drink coffee. So and post about it. Yep. And post about <laughs> it. Yeah. Or you could say, hey, look, XYZ person, I know you love coffee. You're reasonably well known. I'll give you free coffee and free food. And all you got to do is flick flick a um, Insta post once a week and then away you go. Exactly. Cool. There's a good Easy. tactic for all the cafes out there. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have all these like coffee up influences running around. I love it. <laughs> or it could be kombucha. It could be whatever. It is so long as, so long as they get um, some awareness about the cool, um, the cool factor of the cafe or yeah. that it's slightly different to the other one. So instead of going to um, ABC Cafe, you're going to go to 123 Cafe just because you've seen them and they're targeted. Because I go to cafe, I physically do it on purpose to see if I can, if I'm getting targeted in a new location to go and find a cafe. And I'm ne- I never am. <laughs> Auckland's good at it. Yeah, it's not, it's an interesting one. The other thing to be really aware of if I was a cafe is have something Instagrammable. Actual. In fact, this kind of applies to any business, but you need something cool and, and, and parties and events. You'd know this, you're an event. Like you need like you need your Instagram wall, right? <laughs> you need your yeah. something for people, like something, you know, it's like when you're doing, I don't know, interior design, there's always like one feature that you build everything around. And it's the same with any um, venue or place or any event. You need like something that people will take a photo of and go, wow, and gives them social currency on the uh, on the old internet mm. but having something cool whether it's i don't know a cat or a cool entrance or a flower wall or a cool light like it doesn't matter what it is just something instagramable very good that is a good tactic as well so we sort of spoke about this before but i'm going to ask it more specifically now so a small business got no budget at all zero nothing but they've mm-hmm. got all of these social platforms out there what would you suggest that they do um, zero budget. So yeah, zero budget. <laughs> Apart from time. I'd be, I'd, that is fine. I would be doing the collabs. Yep. I would be doing the competitions to attract, to get people's email addresses. And I would be collecting those like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from a real practical point of view, I would just be doing really regular content because at the end of the day, people do search for businesses on social. So you, if people stumble across you, you don't want to just be dead because you're locked you look dead. So pay attention, make sure that your Google business is up to date. Make sure you've got regular content, even if it's only like once a week, so people know that you're alive when they go and check you check you out. Because mm-hmm. if you're not posting about your stuff, other people will be posting about you. And people might see that, it might see your um, handle, go in and look, and at least they can see that you're like you're there. And they're not going to look at the likes, they don't really care about that, but they just want to, oh yeah, that's what it looks like. So think of it as your, you know, I would sort of just, just, just keep, keep it up, be consistent. Do competitions and collabs. <laughs> competitions and collabs it seems to be a common yeah. theme. So if you yeah. go crystal ball gaze, where do you see social social media going in the next sort of five years? Oh, this is well, this is where you get to talk about the metaverse and web three. So <laughs> that's yep. which yep. is always entertaining. So how I explain this to my clients is because I don't think we can we've got enough time to get into all of that. But no, if we no. think about you know, um, we're in Web 2 now, which is basically social media. And if we're going into Web 3, which is all decentralized, I think of it from a practical point of view as, you know, for a grocery client of mine, you're in an avatar, you're walking down a, you've got a virtual virtual kind of headset on, you're working, you're going to do your supermarket shop, you're walking down the supermarket aisle, you've got your favorite chef 
suggesting recipes and chucking mm-hmm. products into your supermarket trolley as you go. Um, you get to the end and it's all rung up and the e-commerce is all fully integrated and it, then the food just turns up all packaged into the meals that you want to make at your home. So it's that real full integration e-commerce but visual and just just cool. So it's not try, it's taking that massive big step from right now we use social media like we use offline. Web3 is actually in the metaverse is designing it for a virtual world. So in the virtual world all the fun things are, are, are happening. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, that's kind of from a practical point of view. Does that answer the question? I'm not good if I'm, I need more practice in answering this one because I no, don't know no. too much about it and it's trying to simplify it down for people with my, my job that, to do. That's a good example. And, and I think the same is going to be for events, as, like physical events. Will be, there will be some people who turn up physically, which is fine, but the people who are time poor or um, they just can't get there, they're from another country you can physically be there and you'll feel like you're there you'll be able to talk to the person next to you you'll be able Absolutely. to um, under you'll be get the same level of value from not being physically there but being there in the in the metaverse which is cool i w- what i will do is i'll link um in the show notes the video from mark zuckerberg about uh, meta and and That's their and their move and, and what they're planning on doing over the next well into the future and 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 an example or and the reason why they changed their name to meta it's really cool and some of the things that you turn up to a meeting and you could be um, wearing your superman outfit or whatever that might be but it's a virtual meeting um it's really cool it's It's taking filters to the next level (laughs) i think the great thing is because we're at the sort of real beginning area of it um it is just everything that we're doing if you think about you know what 20 years ago and we used to put like the dos and the utilities things to get your computer to go and it was so slow and you couldn't be on the internet if the phone was on it's like we're at that stage now with with meta so if you're now to get the snapchat filter of your face it's going to be just you're going to own you know your own avatar and there's that's why this you know nfts have got so huge it's hilarious um i think that is a bit of a bubble some of them but where the real power is is the sort of like blockchain contracts and um, that's think sort of decentralized ways of having contracts with people, and that's really interesting. So, for example, you could, I know, buy something from a from a company, um, like an NFT, and in that contract, that means that you get the first pair of Air Jordans as it comes out every year, forever, while you own it. So, sort of this, I think, for companies are going to find quite different ways to use it than than what's happening at the moment. Um, really, really interesting space. Love it. I'm so excited about it. I definitely am going to be making NFTs next year. So mm. it's going to be fun. NFTs, uh, I follow Gary Vaynerchuk a lot. Actually, probably too yeah. much. He talks, yeah, he talks about it a lot. <laughs> he talks about it a lot. So he pre-sold 1.2 million um, copies of his new book, 12 and a half. Um, he's got his V Friends, which is an, um, so an NFT is a non-fungible token. So it's, I'll link that. I'm not even going to try and explain what that no, is. I don't even. Yeah. Well, and the, but, well, if you just say the V friends from his point of view, it's a little, it's an avatar, really. It's a little character with, with benefits attached. That's how I think about it. The character with benefits attached. <laughs> yeah. So if you bought empathy, empathy elephant, I think one of them's called, then you could go to um, VCon, which is his conference. Well, that's some of the value from it, and he is going to try and ensure that. Um, when you bought it for let's say a thousand US, it 
it's going to be worth 10,000 US in, in two years' time. So um, there's value. Another way of looking at what an NFT is that if we're going into the metaverse, and I was just talking about putting on a Superman outfit, you'd have to pay for that Superman outfit. And that's like a non-fungible token that you've actually paid for this headset that, that you're going to be wearing in the metaverse as well. Yeah, it's, this, it's there's a bit of, what do they call it? They call it what? It's like flex, a bit of social yeah. flex to have so, the social, cool stuff. Yeah, so, in, <laughs> it's in, like, in, so I have in, a fake thing in my fake world. But then yeah. saying that, you know, there's, um, you know, companies buying airports and property in the fake world. Like, it's just hilariously, it's such an interesting space. And I just, I love it because to me, you know, socialites, I started because I fell in love with communities and building communities online. And Meta is like, the metaverse is literally communities online blowing up. So that's why I'm spending all my time right now. And I'm not doing, I'm probably not spending as much time on my business, but that's right. I've got an amazing co-CEO because I'm just so excited about this space because to me, this this is the future and it's going to happen slowly but rapidly in terms of the rest of the world. You know, that'll be a trip. Like when my clients are like, can we have a three-year social media plan? I'm like, no. <laughs> absolutely not i can give you some rough guidelines <laughs> um, yeah well well one of the platforms could be gone like facebook oh, could just disappear or insta could disappear yeah they do it all the time it's really interesting um and i, I also if you look at you know what's happening in the asia platforms you know in terms of the full integrations you know the alibabas and um wechats and things like that with the e-commerce we don't have that yet properly so that social selling, we're just starting to get into that now. Like so, social live selling, which is huge. And I think, I mean, I think that, that'll that'll get good first. That'll be next year's big thing. Like social, actual proper integrated social selling, like they do in um, in the Asia countries. So that's going to be big too. Cool. So I've got two more questions to ask. This has been a cool sure. chat. Um, <laughs> so, what would be your single most valuable piece of advice for a business regarding social media? Oh, my number one thing is always just be authentic. Um, lean into your community. Uh, be brave. But it's all around that sort of, it's like bringing the right mindset because it's actually all about mindset. People will forgive a lot as long as you're truthful with them. You know, you can really stuff up. But if you're like, I stuffed up, you'll actually be supported for that. Whereas if you kind of try and sweep stuff under the rug, it doesn't work. <laughs> so be authentic. Cool. Last question. And it's more about you, and I think I might um, have a bit of an idea what this what your answer might be. What sort of content do you consume, like your favorite podcast or social media page or group, or what are you reading? What do you do to as to your bit oh, of a, yeah yeah oh, I have so much fun. So at the moment, uh, like so my my go tos when people ask me this is always like I always love like my first million, which is a great one, and Masters of Scale. So they're just really interesting. My areas first million. To, I don't know that one. Yeah, oh, it's a good, it's a great one. Um, it's like Sam from The Hustle. I don't know if you get the... So I, every morning I get The Hustle email and it's one that I, I read every morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I do get a lot of, you know, like I've you know, I read Forbes, New York Times, sort of all those sort of ones. But these entrepreneur ones are really fun. Hustle's great. Um, mm-hmm. And as I said, I just reread The Infinity Game again, which is just a really good once a year reminder, I think, which is the mm-hmm. Simon Sinek book. And it's just about, especially if you're an entrepreneur, thinking of your business as more than almost like reworking your your language of it's not like a fight or a win or a game it's actually just a game so it's like playing playing a game against yourself rather than trying to have a war against your competitors mm. it's just a different it's a different mindset and it's just more in tune with the way the world is and, and way more fun 
because at the end of the day, you know, life is a game, really. That's why we, as I say to my team, it's like, yeah. be like, what's going to happen tomorrow? No idea. Look, we've just had it. We've just gone through a global pandemic. No one saw that coming. So, <laughs> like, let's just, if we're, and so you can have all the plans in the world, but if your foundation is not solid, the plan, the, the world will come and, like, break your plan. Whereas if your foundation is solid and you know who you are and what you, what you stand for, then everything else just, the world kind of works for you. Wendy, this has been an awesome chat. I really appreciate this. It's um, been super fun. And I know we've got a lot of value to our audience for this one. And I appreciate your time. You're a very busy person. And we've been chatting for 50 minutes, which is awesome. Oh. Thank, you. Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Right. And I'll talk to you very, very soon. Thank you again. Kia ora. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.